Hi, I'm Tyler Yules. Welcome to How the Grades Do It. Welcome back to another episode of How the Grades Do It. Super excited for our conversation today. We have Kevin Tarbell. He is head of sales development for V Function. Kevin, welcome to the show. Tyler, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up at V Function. Um, I know that everyone's sales journey is a little bit different, so we'd love to hear yours. Yeah, of course. So uh, my first job coming out of college was at a small company. You might have heard of it called IBM, uh, one of 120,000. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe look, maybe a small one there. Yep. Yeah, IBM got it. What <laughs> uh, was there for... Uh, uh, not a long time, but a great time before they sold me off. So uh, I was on the sales development team there, uh, went to the global sales school at IBM. I had never done anything in sales. I actually studied environmental science in college. Um, didn't think that sales was going to be for me, but was told by enough people that, uh, you know, conversationally and you're a people person to try it out. And I said, you know what, let's give it a shot. Yeah. Um, so we did the, the global sales school at IBM three months a little bit in Toronto, a little bit down at Research Triangle Park in uh, Raleigh area. Uh, learned a ton about sales. Um, was crushing it. And then was part of a, a nice New Year's Eve. Um, what's the word they call it? Uh, they, they sold the, our, our part of the company to a smaller company. Uh, and then was that a uh, small startup from there called Seller.com. And I like to think that's where I, I got my grit. Um, <clears throat> walked in after... New Year's with uh, folding tables and chairs and the laptop that we had, um, <laughs> a, a team of about 30 or 40 of us and, you know, no VP of sales, just the CEO, you know, wanting to, to get his baby back. So long story short, uh, was there for almost three years, uh, one of the top performers, uh, learned a ton, uh, decided to, that management was more my path. I was a team lead there and I really liked helping others. Um, went to management at a company called Bamboo Rose, a small retail platform, sounds of large enterprises, uh, did, was successful there, built a team from scratch. And that's where I realized my passion's building. Um, I liked, and I always have, right? Legos, Connects, yeah. uh, software, I mean, Roller Coaster Tycoon, if you want to you know, bring it all the way back to the middle school days. Um, so I liked taking something that's either broken or empty and building up a, a, a platform from there. So a uh, small team over at Bamboo Rose was successful. Uh, small market though, right? Billion plus dollar retail companies. The target market was about a thousand companies. So after a couple of years, decided to, to expand the, my horizons a little bit. Uh, there was a company called QuickBase at the time that had just uh, been spun off of Intuit. QuickBase, QuickBooks, very similar. Yeah. Uh, they were looking, they have a great and still do have a great inbound presence. Not quite PLG, but I think it was like kind of PLG before PLG was a thing in this no code uh, slash low code space, which is, is still up and coming. Yeah. Um, I was brought in to build out the outbound team. So like I said, they had a great inbound team, lots of inbound traffic, but primarily small business. They wanted to go outbound towards large enterprises. So yeah. Uh, Stole a couple of the inbound SDRs, uh, turned them into outbound uh, SDRs, uh, grew that team up to, I think it was 18 at one point with the manager underneath underneath me. Uh, 
successful. Uh, you know, that's where I really learned how to identify an ICP, create a go-to-market strategy. Um, about halfway through my my time at QuickBase, we were sold from um, a small PE firm to Vista Equity Partners. So I had an opportunity to go through the Vista program as well. Uh, yep. Learn about the, the what they call them, HEPL, which is uh, high potential young learners. So the whole thing uh, that Vista would do is they would bring in large classes of SDRs, promote about 25%, coach about 25%, and fire about 25%. Uh, so yep. Uh, hold about 50%. So that was a ton of learning, right? I, I was usually the youngest person in the room. We were doing these leadership meetings and learning about all the things that were happening. That was pre-COVID. So it was, you know, in office um, with you know, a lot of really good sales leaders and marketing leaders and, and we had a really strong team. Uh, then COVID hit. Uh, changed the world for everyone, pretty much, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. Also, uh, for me, I became a father, so priorities shift a little bit, and I realized that um, it's time to build again, right? I had, I built the the team at, at QuickBase, um, and, and I want to build again. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, have a recruiter that I was working with, where they said, "Hey, you got to talk to me about Transmit, talk to me about Transmit." Like, listen, I'm I'm good at QuickBase. I'm good. I'm good. They're just like, take, take a call. Yeah. Uh, the, the traditional story of, you know, I'm not looking, but might as well take a call. Uh, met with a guy by the name of Josh Tenby, uh, who's, you know, still a mentor and a really good friend. Uh, out of, he's in Tel Aviv, but originally uh, via Scotland. So he's got a lot of really good stories. Uh, we built out the team at, at Transmit. Um, that was going, you know, pretty well. Uh, raised a $543 million Series A. Uh, that was neat. Uh, yeah. It was cool to kind of experience, you know, what a, investor boards look like, investor decks, what are people caring about with all that sort of stuff. So um, that tenure wrapped up uh, towards the end of last year where they realized the go-to-market strategy wasn't really sinking and they, they downsized their sales team significantly, um, like 90%. Uh, wow. So now, uh, I found V-Function. So V-Function was uh, kind of checked all the boxes. It's an innovative company with a really clearly defined ICP and a problem that we're looking to solve. Um, so that's my story. But throughout this time, I've worn multiple hats, a little bit of demand gen. Primarily, my biggest hat, if you will, is, is always sales development. Yeah. Uh, throw in some demand gen throw in some closing, throw in some CRM management, some Salesforce management, knowing all the tools and all that sort of stuff. So I've got a very unique uh, skill set that, that I utilize mainly for, for driving meetings, driving pipeline and, and generating those into to, you know, cold outbound uh, opportunity wins for the business. So for, for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, man, I love that monologue about myself yeah no no i mean i think that was great right and i think v function is lucky to have you man like what what really drove you into um uh, pursuing a, a career in sales like you i know you mentioned right like you you joined that you joined ibm um straight mm -hmm. out of college but like didn't really have that sales path like was it somebody mm -hmm. that saw the potential in you or was it like did you say like hey you know i'm gonna give the sales thing a try combination in both so 
I did back in my senior, like going into my senior year of college and internship at a company um, with that environmental resource degree, right? I spent all summer working on, it's called a cradle to grave analysis. It's, you know, taking this product through its whole life cycle, what's the impact? And at the yeah. end, I did, you know, hours of work, like probably a three, 400 hours on this project. Uh, I was very proud of it. And at the end, I got a pat on the back saying, hey, good job. Have a good day. Like, have a good life. <laughs> I just busted my ass and got a couple bucks and a pat on the back. And it's like, if I'm going to work that hard, if I'm going to be working that, I want to um, kind of see the fruits of my labor pay off a little bit better for, better for me. So, yeah, I would say that the ability to drive your own commission check, the ability to own your future a little bit is, is what really drove me to sales. And then the other part of it is I've never been a good student. Um, I was never the type of person that could memorize things. I could never really sit down in the classroom and, you know, bust out an essay. Um, turns out I got pretty bad ADHD. And <laughs> what's the best role is, is a sales role because you're constantly going, you know, working on multiple things at once you know, going from one thing to the next. Uh, and I think that's, you know, my superpower, if you will, is I can work on five things at, at 60% rather than one thing at a hundred percent. And if you do the math, it's more than a hundred percent. So sure. Uh, that's what initially got me into sales. What's kept me in sales is uh, a combination of a couple of things. One is the, the opportunities here in the technology space and learning about new tech and AI, and there's always something new to learn about. I think that's fascinating. Absolutely. Um, I always want to be at a company that's trying to change the world, not necessarily for the better, but, you know, a company that has an impact on how the world is operating. So if I look at, you know, some of my friends that started at HubSpot a decade ago, um, some friends that are at Snowflake, like at these big companies, I, I want to be part of that. Um, and, and, you know, seeing the transformation they've done and, and whatnot is, is really cool. So uh, the other thing is the psychology behind it, right? Why do people buy? Why do people make the decisions that they make? And, and can you influence them or do you just have to be a, a cog on their journey? Um, and that's something that is ever changing, right? People today spend more time researching and doing their own research before they go out and want to talk to a salesperson. Sure. As a salesperson, you have to understand that, right? You have to meet them uh, on their customer journey, on their buying journey, rather than trying to force them into your buying journey. A hundred thousand percent. Like, I think you're thinking about things the right way, right? It's it's all about the prospect journey and not necessarily around, uh, it's not necessarily around like, hey, like, how are we going to sell? Like, we need to figure out a way to sell around that prospect journey so that it, um, it it's an all-in-one solution and then it you know it, it really comes into problem solving and not just selling features and benefits um truly being that that solution-based consultant uh so i love that you know i know that a lot of what we were going to talk about today is you know there's a an idea in the market that sdr teams are dead and i think you and mm -hmm. i can both agree that that's not necessarily the case and i think there is a strong there's a strong case to make against that and so like I'd love to hear your take on that, right? Yeah. Uh, if the 
SDR teams were a cat, we'd be on our 12th life at this point, right? Uh, <laughs> power dialers killed SDRs. LinkedIn killed SDRs. Salesforce outreach killed SDRs. We're very dead at this point. Um, what people say, you know, SDR teams are dead, what they're really saying is the old way and the old playbook is dead. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, you can't just bulk email people. You can't throw a wide net and see what comes back to you. You have to utilize the tools that are in front of you. And I, and I think that's... Um, now, if you are a CEO, CFO, and you see this... SDR team as a bottom line cost of usually, you know, <clears throat> all in 150 to 200 K ahead. It's really difficult to justify what that is. So I think you're seeing a lot of, you know, companies start laying off SDRs uh, as a way of saying like, oh, SDRs teams are dead. They're not able to do what they used to do. Uh, yeah. And to me, that's, that's wrong. Cause if you look at a lot of these companies, they'll start with the SDRs, SDR managers, and then six months later, they're fi- they're laying off their AEs because guess what? AEs have no pipeline. So yeah. I think people are looking at this the wrong way, and people don't really understand the the buying cycle at this point. So um, to bring it back to, to the initial point, the SDR team of old is dead. The SDR team of new, right? Teams that embrace AI, figure out how to utilize the tools to their advantage, are really understanding who their ICP is and why they're selling to them and, and really trying to meet them along their stop in the journey, um, you'll see that the best SDRs will rise. Um, I think it has changed where it's not necessarily the person with the most calls is going to get the most dollars. I think it's the person that looks at the opportunity in front of them, dissects it and breaks it down and then carefully goes about their prospecting where they're standing out from the other automations and from the other blanketed targeted stuff. That's what's going to really stand out. Um, yeah. And I see it in my team today, right? Uh, the first question that our our AEs ask, excuse me, are what, what got you on the phone today? And oftentimes it's, um, you know, Oh, Tobin did this or um, Laura did that uh, where it, stands out from all the other messages that they get um, mm-hmm. usually linking are the problem that we're doing to one of their goals, particularly their executive goals of a big enough company, which are publicly stated by the way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, meeting them in the channel that they want, right. It's not just cold calls anymore, not just emails. It's social, it's LinkedIn, it's texting. It's, being able to make yourself be easy to work with. And that's something we pride ourselves on, right? Be it easy to work with. I don't want to be a pain in the ass to take a meeting. How do you yep. want to be an invite? I'll send you an invite. You want to do teams, whatever you want. We'll make it easy to work with you. Yeah. Because it's important to recognize any little bump along the way in the sales journey could be the thing that just derails your whole process. And that starts with us, right? As SDRs, where we're super top of the funnel. If we reply to an email an hour late, if we... Let that inbound sit for too too long. That could potentially throw a, a sale out the window. So sure. it's really important for SDR today to be sharp, be detail-oriented, uh, and be constantly thinking about how they stand out from their peers. Absolutely. You know, you hit on a few points, and I, I think a lot of them are relevant, right? It's like 
the um the progression of an SDR, right? It's like, mm-hmm. hey, they go from SDR maybe to a team lead, maybe to mm-hmm. an AE, you know, maybe back to an SDR manager. And so there's a lot of different ways to um build a team out, right? Like it mm-hmm. I think of SDR teams as your as your triple A team, right? Like you're you're building them up so that at some point they can be uh they can be your full uh full-fledged salesperson right and so it's it's more than just the pipeline generation that you're you're doing right you're really developing young reps at a much lower cost that you than you could be if you were trying to go to a headhunter or trying to recruit that really successful salesperson after they have been an sdr to another organization yeah you bring up a couple good points there so uh linkedin did a survey recently where they found that 82 percent of aes actually started their their job as an SDR BDR. So yeah. if you are a VP of sales, which by the way, somewhere between 30 and 40 VPs of sales start their role as an SDR BDR. If you're a VP of sales and you say, hey, I don't I don't want this SDR team anymore, where are you going to get your new reps from? Let's say theoretically, right? You get rid of your SDR. Yeah. The SDR team's dead. You go fully automated. You you know, use chat GBT, outsource your, your meetings booked, or somehow you have AEs that actually book meetings for themselves, which is few and far between. Yep. Um, how do you find that, that next group? So I spoke about my time at QuickBase with, with Vista Equity Partners with the Hevel, right? Yeah. Their whole thing is they don't need a 20 year salesperson in these roles. They would much rather have someone come in do a job for somewhere between nine months to 18 months, depending on how complicated the solution is, get mm-hmm. them into a closing role as soon as possible, get two to four years out of them and then have somebody else pay them more money to do the same job. Yeah. Um, they, they found that and actually this was from the, the bridge group, AEs that are promoted internally, like from an SDR BDR position are 20% more likely to hit their quota uh, than outside reps. And on wow. top of it, you mentioned it's cheaper, right? If you take an yeah. SDR who's at 75K OTE, let's say 50, 25, just to make the numbers, you know, sure. work for us. And we say, okay, we'll promote you to an AE now. And we'll say, we'll pay you 55, 45. And you're at a uh, 100K, you know, on target. 100K at 24 years old is still a lot of money now. I know there's inflation, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah sure. Today, but it's still a hundred thousand dollars when you're potentially living with three or four buddies, you know, downtown <laughs> or, or down in Florida, right. Where I think rental yeah. for that could be 400 bucks. So, um, that there, to your point, there's two different aspects of an SDR organization. There's pipeline generation and there is growth and there is, um, like talent growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is actually an interesting thing. So when we were going through the Vista thing, the one of the advisors or consultants, whatever the title is, said, Hey, are are you guys a, a people team or are you a pipeline team? And he goes, the the leaders that try to be both are the ones that are gonna go nowhere. And you have to make a decision. Do you want your SDRs to be like really generating top, top, top pipeline? Or do you want your SDR team to be a growth and, and per, like essentially a to your point, a bullpen for your AEs? Yeah. Um, it's not saying you can't do both, but you need to have a focus. And the reason why you need to have a focus is you, you pay differently. 
Um, you structure your trainings differently. You adjust how you go about uh, not just promoting them, but how you go about touting their success. Mm -hmm. uh, and the decision for, for Vista was always that bullpen, right? The ability to have someone waiting in the wings for when someone leaves and not have any drop-off in production or have a small drop-off in production was way more important for them to have tenured SDRs who are professional SDRs creating a ton of pipeline. Um, the decision at that company, right, where it's a bigger company, a little bit more cash to, to flow, they, could, they would rather have a group of 30 to 40 cheaper, younger SDRs than, let's say, 20 more expensive um, professional SDRs producing the same amount of stuff. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I think you're spot on, right? I, th I think where the, where the stars align, right. Is if you have an enterprise product that can sell downstream, right. Then you have SDR supporting enterprise reps. Cause that's really, I think where it makes sense and where companies went wrong, right? Like you had companies out there that were hiring SDRs to support all right their their business where there was enterprise commercial that mid-market space and even smb and and i don't necessarily think it makes sense to have an sdr that's closing smb or maybe even commercial deals in mm -hmm. some instances depending on what your commission deal um mm -hmm. average deal size looks like there right mm -hmm. so where the stars align i think is where you have an enterprise product and they're building pipeline for that but they can also sell downstream so and you tell me if you disagree because i I, you know, we can, we can talk about it, but yeah. I think it's SDR to an SMB full cycle rep, right? They, they, they find their own deals. They, mm -hmm. um, you know, they close their own deals. Then they maybe move into that, you know, they move into that closing role for SMB and then move into maybe a mid or a mid market space. Right. Yeah. But I think that's where I think the, it makes sense. Right. And then you have a pocket where you can somewhat move them. But if you don't necessarily have that, um, that motion of, of an enterprise product where you're S it really, you can see the ROI really early on for them to create deals for your enterprise, mm. for your enterprise reps. Um, <clears throat> like that's where the stars align. And then you say, so, Hey, it can be yeah. about, you know, making them better as well as building pipeline. But to your point, right? Like if you don't have that, right, it's, and they're just supporting the, the rep, right? Like for them to move to SDR to enterprise rep, like that may be mm. a big jump. And so maybe it's in that yeah. sense, right. It's just about pipeline production, but if you so, have maybe a, an, a smaller product, right. Maybe then it's, Hey, uh, or you, you have, you're not really an enterprise product. You're more of a, an SMB or a commercial product for the mm. mid market space. Then your SDRs are more of a, of a pipeline for uh, future reps. Mm. So here's where, where you and I might disagree. Yeah. I think, Going from an enterprise SDR to a mid, uh, small to mid-sized full-cycle rep are two completely different jobs. And the skills that you develop as an enterprise SDR is account-based marketing. It's finding the details. It's pouring through the financials. It's building out this massive thing. Like You're not wrong. Going to like a junior AE or what we call them like a account manager where you're working underneath that enterprise AE is, is almost yeah. more valuable. And then you take your inbound reps, the ones that are working those, you know, small businesses, mid-market, have them move into the, the, the full cycle closing uh, to be 
little bit more aligned. And I think there's a, a fallacy out there that SDRs can't do enterprise selling. And um, it takes more time, right? That SDR should sit in that senior SDR position for a few years. Yeah. Ingrain themselves and their team, learn from the enterprise seller. If you have a really good enterprise seller, they'll almost realize that they can mentor this SDR. The better they get, the more full their pipeline gets. And they're also less likely to leave, right? If you think about an average SDR tenure is about nine months. You've sure. probably, when listening to this, if they're, you're an AE, have had a carousel of SDRs come through. But you probably see those one or two AEs SDR partnerships that last for a year to two years where that AE is really mentoring the SDR. So in my mind, and this is this is something that I think has worked pretty well at some companies I've worked with, is you look at your team and you see, is this person have that enterprise mindset? Do they have the ability to break down these massive teams to navigate these complex sales cycles? Or are yeah. they a machine right where it's one deal next deal next deal next deal super um, driven and really focused on on the close those two mindsets are different right? it's all it's like a, a version of the the hunter versus the gatherer but these are yep. both hunters um one of i would think i'm getting too deep in the analogy i'll, I'll, back, <laughs> I'll back it up a little bit um but what it comes down to is like, if you are an enterprise SDR, the skill set that you're developing and the ability to drive your own pipeline, the ability to really navigate through some pretty complex selling teams is much more beneficial to then step up directly to a, a closing role. Now, granted, it's, you know, lower quota, longer ramp time. You need as a business to have the ability to give those SDRs room. And, and give them a runway to get to be successful and not expect yeah. too much of them to have the bat. And the flip side, if you're a uh, high volume inbound rep where you're taking inbound calls and like you're thinking of it more transactionally, that would be a step that you take. I think that the biggest, the biggest mistakes the company makes, they think, okay, SMB, SDR, mid-market SDR, enterprise SDR, jumps down to SMB close, mid-market close, enterprise close. Because yeah. you've closed big deals, you've closed small deals. It's two almost completely different sales cycles. So why would you take a rep that's now been doing strategic reach out, talking to C-level executives, you know, building out this, this almost this map of how this uh, big companies buys and then stick them to transactional full cycle small business the skills aren't the same um so yeah. you're, you're not only your reps a disservice but you're you're kind of stabbing yourself twice as a business because you're taking one of your top sdrs off, off, out of that role and now you're sticking them into a role they're not prepared for so i think that's a change that you're going to see i think you're going to see a lot of um younger reps who are utilizing technology and being thoughtful and really digging into like enterprise selling, reading all the books, listening to the podcast, applying it. Yeah. Not just thinking they're, they're smarter than, you know, all the folks that have come before them, which listen, we've all been there as salespeople. You have to have a little bit of an ego. Um, 
you're going to see a lot of, of successful younger sellers who understand how people are buying as well. Um, yeah. yeah. I like so that. A little different. Yeah. I hear you. What would you say to like a founder or a CRO that's like starting, that it's coming into mm-hmm. a startup and like when, when at that point should they say, Hey, like an SDR team, right? You have, they, maybe they hired mm-hmm. their first few sellers and yep. rather they're going through the motions and those people are running a full desk. Like when should they bring on an SDR team and, and start yeah. building out that function? It's a great question. I, I think you have to be ready twice as ready as you think you have to be. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but what I mean by yeah. that is, if you're starting a true SDR team, it's going to take between two or three years to see that team get into the green, right? You're going to be sinking a ton of upfront costs, whether it's training, whether it's tools, whether it's just the cost of, of bringing on someone to be an employee before sure. you start to see the pipeline. The pipeline will probably get there after a year. You'll start to see, you'll start to see the effects after about six months. The pipeline will be where it wants to be after a year. And then it has to take that kind of year to, to year and a half to reap the rewards so you have to have patience you have to be prepared and you have to understand what you're getting yourself into Um, you have to you know if you are a a sales leader if you are a ceo like understand the why like why are you bringing on an sdr team if you just want pipeline it might make more sense to outsource it might make more sense to to partner with uh, thousands of different you know outside sdr vendors uh, there's there's plenty that are very loud on LinkedIn that have lots of uh, you know opinions that are good at their job, so do that. Yeah. Um, if if you're hoping that the SDR team is going to come in and be the the solve of all your problems, it's not really how it works. Um, things to to kind of like check off the box if you will to make sure you're ready. You know your ICP and like when I say know your ICP, it's not oh we think it's this, we think it's that. It's no you you know your ICP. Yeah. <laughs> you know your pain that you're solving for and you can articulate it in two to three sentences or, you know, after what my boss Aaron calls after five beers, you should know the the, the pain that, that you're solving for um, and understand that like the other things that come with the investment, right? You, you need to have LinkedIn sales nav. You need to have some sort of cadence tool, usually sales loft or outreach, HubSpot has one now. Lucia has one. They're kind of like a dime a dozen, but you know, I think eighty percent of either sales loft or outreach. That's a yep. six figure investment, right? There, there's other things that you need for that team to be successful that you have to be prepared to invest in. Um, it's not just hey, throw a couple SDRs in here and they're going to solve all our pipeline problems. Yeah. No, I think you bring up really great points. Like, what tips do you have? Um, you know, I think. As I think about like the times that I've built out SDR, the SDR function at different companies, mm-hmm. um, like it, culture is so important, mm-hmm. and like the the development of of a, of an SDR, you know, it's usually their first or second job, maybe their first job in sales, first job in tech, and so like, what advice would you give other managers to like build culture and like develop develop these employees? Um, to like where they want to be because obviously I've never talked to an SDR that says, Hey, I want to be like a lifetime SDR. Mm-hmm. Um, you bring up a couple of good points. So excuse me, just getting over a cold still. Yeah. Um, I'm going to answer this two parts. One is if okay. you're remote ones, if you're in person. Okay. Um, if you're remote, you have to hire the right people that know how to work remote. 
And what I mean by that is it's probably not the best idea to hire someone straight out of college to work remote that have never experienced like what hard work is because you're used to not faking hard work, but college is, you know, maybe 10 hours a week in the classroom, maybe 10 hours of homework. If you're a good student and you think you're working your ass off. Yeah. Your initial SDR job should be 50 to 60 hours a week. If you want to be great, right. Yeah. The times that you're on the phone, you're prospecting for the next day, you you immerse yourself in it. So it's a grind. It's it's a true grind. I think yeah. that if you were that first, second job at a college, in-person is extremely valuable. Um, I think that learning how to be an employee is as important as learning how to be a good seller. And you see the top reps, what they do day in, day out, and you can emulate that. It's a little bit tougher. Mm-hmm. If you're I've found the best sort of prospect and the best profile promoters, people changing their industry. So they know how to be an employee. They know how to work hard, but they've been, let's say, a teacher or in the education system for for five or six years. And they realize that idiot I went to college with is making 300K selling something he probably doesn't even know much about. And I'm over here grinding. Now, granted, you get summers off, but that's neither here nor there. I'm over here grinding for a 60, 70K salary. What am I doing wrong? Right. So if you can have that remote environment, have someone understand the privilege of what it is to work remote. Um, privilege is a weird word, but have someone that the opportunity, <clears throat> the opportunity to work re- remote, right? Yeah. And embraces that and says like, Hey, I, I've been to the other side. I've, I've done manual labor. I've gone door to door. I'm now in my home. I need to take this opportunity and, and run with it. That's the sort of, of, person that i would look for uh in, in a remote sdr job now and and are and are there qualities that you look for through the interview process to like find that person yeah i was gonna say this is the the core things that you look for don't really stray um work ethics number one it's one of yeah. the toughest things to, to interview for uh because yep. there's a lot of bullshitters in sales for the best yep. and for the worst uh yeah. and and unless you have a, a you know good reference that you trust, it's almost a referral is the best, right? If you can have an SDR that refers another SDR, it says like this, they're a hard worker. I trust them. That's that's yeah. massive. You know. Uh, so work ethics number one. Number two is curious. Uh, natural curiosity is something that you need in, in this role. You're going to be cold calling people. You're going to be having conversation with strangers all day. The ability to just kind of disconnect from your pitch and have a human conversation with them, ask them questions about their job, ask them questions about their role, and really be genuine in your curiosity is going to go a thousand, a thousand percent. It's going to go very far. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Like being a naturally curious SDR will allow you to learn at your own pace and learn from people that are doing the job. Um, so hardworking, naturally curious. Um, three, and this is not for everyone, but some sort of competitive background, um, whether it's athletics, debate, school politics. Some, um, they got, they got to be, they got to be competitive in something, right? Like, yeah. I don't think I've ever met a salesperson that's, that's not good, right? Like yeah. that doesn't have that competitive spirit, right? That wants to be number it, one. 
They exactly. shoot for the top. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Now, we can get on the whole thing. Do you need a thousand number ones? No, you need to have some twos and threes as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To run the team and let people understand. But at the same time, you can't have people that are content with not hitting their number. You can't have people that are like, all right, well, better look next time and just do the same <laughs> thing over and over again. So if you can figure out that competitiveness so you can understand their drive, that that's the, that's the third thing. And then um, the last thing, and, and this might be the toughest thing, is like, what what's their resiliency? You know, we talked, you talked about this earlier, SDR is a grind. You know, yeah. it's getting tougher and tougher every day. Um, and I said this to my team, they're probably sick of hearing it, but SDR job's not a, not a tough job. It, it's not, it's not, let me yeah. clarify, it's not a, it's not a difficult job. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not difficult to send out the messages, right? It's, it's not difficult exactly, to right? research your person, Riley. So like skill-wise, yeah. right? It's, skill I would say wise. like the the 80% of your day is not, I would say like it's, it's monotonous work, right? Exactly. It's, it's not a, a, a hard job. The yeah. tough part of our job is the consistency. The tough part of our job is the ability to be a hundred percent all the time. Cause if yeah. you do a call block and you're just a little bit off, you're done. Like yeah. the, the, the calls that you book about 80% of them will be a coin flip. And what I mean by that is the 50, 50 shot that you ask that close on that, that call to action. Like, Hey, do you want to grab 15 minutes tomorrow? That person is thinking they're like, ha, ah, do I really want to spend this time with them? I'm not sure. If you're not, 100% genuine, if you're not 100% curious, if you're not locked in on that call, they're not going to say yes. And it's, it's, it's a very marginal business. So I say yeah. it's not a hard job to do, but it's really difficult. Yeah. Uh, because I would say there's, there's the like, side. yeah, 100%, right? Like the, the mental side is difficult. And there's, there's probably that art and that skill when it mm. comes to different parts of it, right? Is like crafting a really great email. Um, mm. Or, you know, that time on the cold call or maybe taking someone through a brief discovery to understand like, hey, is there, I always call it peeling the, peeling the grape, right? Like an SDR should be able to peel a grape, this, just the skin, be able to understand, hey, is there an opportunity for my AE to sell? I don't want to get into the meat of discovery. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to understand, hey, is there an opportunity for us to sell something? And can we solve a problem, right? If they can answer those two questions, then it's like, hey, send it to an AE. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say those are kind of the four things to look for, like across the board. If yeah. you can find someone humble, hungry, competitive, sharp, and then kind of always questioning what you're doing, like, Hey, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? It's a pain in the ass, but mm-hmm. it means they're learning. Right. And those are the ones that that was me. Some of my bosses loved it. Some of them hated it. And you look at the ones that loved it. They're in really big spots. Ones that hated it. Not so much. They might yeah. be looking right now. I'm not calling anyone. <laughs> um, but I look at, you know, uh, I'll call him up by name. Mark Stukowski is now VP of sales salary.com. He was my first boss at IBM. Yeah. I was between the seventh and 12th best SDR out of a group of 1,200 at IBM. But he was like, why aren't you number one? And that was the sort of competitiveness that, that he, he instilled in me. And it's, you know, I yeah. would actually it would be in second or third because I feel like if you're number one, you always had a bullseye on your back. Um, that was just my two cents. I like I like being liked too much. It's why I'm now a manager, not a. <laughs> manager. 
Um, yeah. But that's me and my therapist can can talk about that at a later date. <laughs> I don't have a therapist. I feel like that's just the right thing to say. <laughs> uh, so, no, it's, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, but to to your original question, right? Is like, how do you build a team? What's the advice? You need to have a mix yeah. of people. If you have a team of five alphas, they're not going to share information. They're going to be secluded. They're going to be trying to one up each other, keep the tips and tricks themselves. You need a couple of those people, right? So they can compete against each other. And then you need some folks in the middle. And, and, and you know, the, the old saying, you know, you need, need ditch diggers too. As an SDR team, you need to think about like, okay, I've got two superstars that are ready to be AEs. Yeah. I've got, you know, let's call it a team of 10. I've got two that are, that are going to be really good. And I'm coaching them to be great. You know, I'm still giving them a lot of time and sharing with them like, okay, these are the things you have to start doing for the next job. Let's start doing it in this role to make yourself better. Yeah. You're going to have a chunk of players that you're trying to figure them out, right? Do they have that superstar ability? You know, ideally, you'd like to think you hire 100% of the right people. Realistically, it's not that. It's about 50%. Yeah. And that's the R role. Not for me. I'm a little bit higher. But yeah. for, <laughs> for most people, it's about 50%. But yeah. half the SDRs, but in a year in the job, say, wait, I don't want to do this. This sucks. I need to go figure out what I want to do with my life. Um, mm-hmm. So um, you need to have those, you know, those top people. You need to have the middle people. And then just got to get rid of the people at the bottom because uh, they're eventually going to turn into cancers and, and, and hurt the team. So that's a Vista principle, right? Every quarter you turn 25% of your lowest folks with the hope of trying to find some, some top folks. And um, it sucks, right? Letting people go is the worst part of this job. But at the same time, you're doing them a favor. Because if you're an SDR and you're 20, well, the lowest 25% of your team, you have to really take a look inside and think, like, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? You know, right? You're 23, 24, kind of just going by, living off your base salary. Like, is that is that a sales professional or are you just being a sales guy? So that's... Yeah, no, I love that. A little bit of a tangent, but something to think about. Yeah, what would you say to like the the aspiring SDRs out there that would say like, hey, I want to um, I want to be, be in leadership. Like what hmm. advice would you give to the people that... Because I, I would go as far as like, everyone's yeah. not supposed to be a leader, right? Like, yeah. And so what advice would you give that SDR um, so I that's think looking to our- be a leader? <laughs> Do you want to be, why do you want to be a leader, right? Do you want mm-hmm. to be a leader because you want to say, hey, I'm, I'm the manager. I'm going to tell you what to do. Or do you want to yeah. be the leader because you realize that's the best skill fit for you? And once you identify that, you have to just start doing the job. And it came naturally to me. Um, you know, I've, I've been a leader, you know, captain in high school, president of my fake fraternity in college. Just kind of always naturally come to me. Yeah. Um, so when we shifted from, you know, IBM to salary.com and we were leaderless there for a minute, I naturally stepped up and I realized by helping people out, by sharing my tips, that's what I got the most fulfillment of myself, right? Like giving someone advice, seeing them apply that advice and seeing them book meetings from that brought me way more pleasure than me booking a meeting myself. So yeah. if you were that type of person that you see your coaching and like the impact you can have on other people brings you more joy than you actually going and doing it yourself. Management's probably the right path for you. Um, from there, 
try your best to not get promoted to where you're managing your peers, because that will be the toughest job you will ever do, where you go from an SDR to like an SDR manager, and now you have to manage the folks that you were just peers with. It creates a really yeah. difficult dynamic. Um, and if you are a, a leader out there and you're like, oh, this person's a team lead, I'm going to promote a manager, think twice. What I would <laughs> recommend is you maybe bring them on gradually. If you hire someone new, have them roll up to them, and then all of a sudden, six months later, they've got a fresh team that they've never been peers with that they're, they're now leading. There you um, go. But back to the to the person. So you have less opportunity to make money as a manager than you do as an individual contributor. And that's just a statement, right? Like the top, your top earners from SDR manager all the way up to when you're a sales manager will make more money than you. So that's something you have to just be okay with. Um, <laughs> you're bringing more stress into your life. Uh, you have to think about, do you not just want to be a sales leader, but you also want to be a people leader? Um, people have problems. People have issues. If you don't have the ability to be human for some of them, but then also have a corporate hat, it's a tough, tough ball to juggle. That's not for everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, yeah, it's just something that, you know, everyone, I think all leaders struggle with, right? How do you balance between, you know, being a good person versus being a good employee? Sure. Um, and then back to, you know, back to the SDR manager, like if you want to be in leadership, think about what you would do differently to make your team more efficient, put that, you know, present that to your manager. If you can trust them and don't think that they're going to take it as a, a slight to like, you want to take their job, right? So be careful there, but package it, present it, and then practice it. Um, go do the job that, that, that you want to do. So, you know, be a team lead, follow through. Uh, yeah. And, and, and go learn. Yeah. I love that. Kevin, one last question for you, man. Um, how do you want people to remember you when you leave this world? Uh, good person, good father. That's really it. Um, like, like someone that could be trusted, someone that was reliable, someone that helped other people in their career. Someone that if, if my name comes up in conversation, it, it should be in positive light. Um, that's a tough question right it's, it's, yeah it's a hard one man it's it, it's yeah. one of those but i think you touched I'll, on a lot of great qualities and i'll, I'll put my myself like, i would like to have my name on a building somewhere there you go <laughs> that, okay that um you know ideally i'd like to be like oh i knew you know i knew this guy that was employee number six this company i knew that like for me right now it's right oh i knew I knew someone that was employee number 25 at V function. Right. Um, that's, that's what I'm chasing professionally. I I think personally it's, you know, a little different, but it's a good question. I love it. Well, Kevin, man, I appreciate the time that you spent with us and man, and, and this is just another episode of how the grades do it.